And again, I'm going to be talking about it in a series called The Victory of the Cross. You know, if Satan had known, he would, it says clearly in the Bible that he would never have crucified Jesus. But what he did, even though some people look at what Jesus did was a dark time, but it was a time of fulfillment. And actually, he was fulfilling Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53 that perfectly described what he did for you and I as we celebrate what he did 2,000 years ago. And I want to share with you from basically six points or six things that Jesus did, one for each day, counting today all the way to what we call Good Friday. And Good Friday also is not necessarily, you know, good in the fact that it was the cross and the suffering, but it was good for man's redemption. And as we look at Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 17 and 19, what Jesus did not only fulfilling the Old Testament verses of Scripture, but he fulfilled what Adam did, and Adam messing up at the very beginning, and him and Eve uh, giving away the earth and giving away the man's rights and authority in the earth and actually allowing the curse to come into the earth. Jesus had to fulfill and turn that around. And notice what it says here in Romans 5.17. Romans 5.17, look what it says. It says, For by one man's offense death reigned through one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Jesus Christ. Now notice verse 18. Verse number 18 says, Therefore as one man's offense judgment came to all men. Who's that one man? Everybody say Adam. Adam, so notice what it says, therefore as through one man's offense judgment came to all men resulting in condemnation, even so even so, through one man's righteous act, that's what Jesus did for you and I 2,000 years ago, the one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, everybody say all men, every person everywhere resulting in justification of life. Notice verse 19, for by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, that's Adam, but, everybody say but, but also one man's obedience, many were made righteous, and that's you and I. Jesus, this really, these two verses of Scripture here, to me, sum up the New Testament and fulfill the Old Testament and show what Jesus did for you and I. But Christianity and what Jesus did for you and I 2,000 years ago has been called the great exchange. What's that mean, Pastor Brian? It means simply that Jesus exchanged his life for our lives. And I just want to share with you six things briefly. Again, each one of these are a message within themselves, but six things that Jesus did for you and I. Number one, he simply did this, but powerfully did this. He took our sins and we received his righteousness. Over in 2 Corinthians 5.21, 2 Corinthians 5.21, notice what it says. It, it confirms this. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he was he who made him he, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, talking about Jesus, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So what happens here? It says what? He made him to be sin for you and I, as is fulfilled in Isaiah 52 and 53, that through him we would be in right standing with God. And you know, we hear a lot about identity these days. Let me say this. Jesus gave you and I an identity. We are not sinners. We are saved by his righteousness. It's not our acts. It's not our works. It's not what we do. It's what he did for you and I 2,000 years ago. And what he did for you and I brought us into right standing with God. You and I have an identity. And we have an identity in the earth by our name and by what we do. And, of course, that's, that's an important identity, and we should, uh, you know, handle that honorably. But the supreme identity of our lives is that we have been bought, everybody say bought, 
bought by the precious blood of Jesus and be given right standing with God. And, you know, religion teaches that right standing comes through earning it. Well, it says right here, He who knew no sin became sin that we might become righteous because of Him. What a beautiful Savior we have. We, he, we, we literally, He was punished so that we could be forgiven. He was made sin so that you and I could have right standing with God. Number two, number two, Jesus took, on, Jesus took our sin nature that we might receive His divine nature. Over in Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, notice what it says here, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Galatians 2.20 states this, for I have been crucified with Jesus. That means when he was on the cross, you and I were on the cross. So there was a song that was written many years ago. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That's so true. It says, I've been crucified with Jesus. It's no longer I who live, but Jesus lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a powerful promise that is. I'll never forget, right after I was born again, the following, I was born again on October the 16th, 1983, the following year, the was my first Easter resurrection weekend and knowing the Lord. And I happened to be in an event on Good Friday, and they had this big, huge cross that was on the side of this mountain, and I was on this retreat. And uh, I was ministering this verse of Scripture, and I was by myself before anybody came to that area where I was speaking and sharing my testimony. Um, and I was looking at that cross, and I just saw myself with Jesus on that cross, and I just saw the decision that I made there that it's no longer I who live, but it's Jesus who lives in me. Notice this phrase, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And I just made a decision that, you know what, my nature is going to change for the rest of my life. I'm no longer going to be the person I was. I'm going to be the person of who I am. And I'm going to do it by faith in the Son of God, who, that's what it says, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's hard for me to describe in words, but when you get a revelation like I did that day, it's transformational. It transformed me for the rest of my life, standing there on that mountain looking at that cross, because his nature was now my nature, and my nature was no longer a part of me. Number three, number three, this is powerful, and it's so true. Jesus received our name, which is Son of Man, that we might receive his name. Do you remember him being called the Son of Man? And even though he was the Son of God, well, he took on humanity. He was born a man, and he received the man. Of, I mean, he is a man. He is God manifest, manifest in the flesh. He is a man. But notice what it says, that we would receive his name. And that's, again, the name of Jesus belongs to you and I. You know, thank God for your name as a person. Thank God for the name of your family. But as you look at Philippians 2.9, Philippians 2, we've been given a name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's no longer Brian Jacobs. It's, it's Jesus. Is I, I belong to him. You belong to him. Notice what it says here. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. How about that? So, is there anything above the name of Jesus? No, there's not. There's not a person. There's not a thing. There's not an identity. There's not a sin. There's not a sickness. There's nothing satanic that's greater than the name of Jesus. Notice verse 10. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven those on the earth and those under the earth. That pretty much completes it, does it not? Every knee shall bow. I just think of the day, again, there's two judgments. 
And basically, it's the judgment of the believer, where every believer will stand before the Lord when given account of their lives. And then there's the great white throne judgment. And the great white throne judgment is simply this. People who do not know the Lord, appointed or they are to die, but after that becomes the day of judgment. Just think what it says right here. That one day, Adolf Hitler's body, wherever disposed it is in this earth, will one day supernaturally be assembled together, and he will go to the white throne judgment, and there he'll be judged, and he'll be sentenced for the rest of his life in damnation. And every person, not just him, but every person after him, will experience that same thing, all because of whose name? Jesus' name. Under the name of Jesus, he is the supreme authority. And I'll tell you what, that, that name belongs to you and I. Notice verse 11. Verse 11, please. It says that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Even all those who hate the Lord will one day confess his name. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. And you and I have that name because we chose it of our own free will. You ask, someone asked me the other day, so Pastor Brian, if God's in control, why don't he just make us get saved? And why don't he just do this and do that? Listen, the beauty of the human will is what God gave you. And the powerful thing that pleases God more than anything in your life is when you will your will to his will. When you will your will to what he's already done for you and you yield it without being forced to do that, an act of your own decision. I think that's why the Lord was so, quote, proud of me the day I was born again, because I willed my will to his will. I yielded myself to his name. I took on his name. I took on his identity. I took on his life. I chose him over what I wanted to do. And when you do that in your own life, I'm telling you, what, not only is it pleasing to God, but it's honorable to God, but it's the greatest thing a person could do. It's the wisest thing. This life is not the only life we'll live. There's another life to come. And I'm telling you what, the people that go separated from God into eternity will live forever and ever and ever in torment because they didn't yield their will. They didn't bow to the name of Jesus on this side. It's a horrible thing to exit this world without the Lord. It's a horrible thing not to live for the Lord. Because I'm telling you what, look what he has done. So many people think that Easter resurrection is just about salvation so you could go to heaven. No, it's about the price that was paid for the redemption of man on this earth. And so many Christians lose out on God's very best. They live such just minuscule lives, never experiencing really the victory that Jesus gave you, you and I. That, you know, they live succumbed to the flesh. They live succumbed to their will and their emotions being controlled by other things, other people, other influences, and other factors of life. When Then they could speak the name of Jesus, the powerful name of Jesus, I never forget when I was on my farm one time, I was, just, I was just learning the name of Jesus, and I said, I saw where we had in Genesis authority over animals. And so I was feeding our 60-plus cows out there, and of course, Mr. Jam Atwood sort of did debates with me about this situation, but it did happen to me <laughs> when it comes to farm animals. Anyway, no, nah, he, he, he endorses what I'm talking about. Anyway, we had this big heifer cow. She was a big girl. And she loved to eat. And when you took that white bucket out there, I mean, she knew that was feeding time. And so I'd done this every Saturday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday, every, those afternoons growing up. Anyway, it was one day I was taking that bucket out there, and she come roaring from the other side. I mean, she was aggressive coming towards me. And I miss mean, a big girl. I mean, she was coming at me, and I just 
just had this inclination like, you know what, she is going to run over me if I don't stop her. And I took that bucket and I slammed that bucket in her nose when she, and I said, in the name of Jesus, and I called her by her name, I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to stop. And all of a sudden, something like you'd see on a, a cartoon, and snot hitting my nose, and I looked at her eye to eye like that with that bucket, and I said, back up and back away. And she did like this. <laughs> and I said, you go over that trough the right way. I said, we're not going to eat like we're starving. I just fed you earlier this morning. You're silly, girl. Now walk on over there. She did the whole, you say, Pastor Brian, you may, I'm serious. She walked over there, and then I walked over there. And man, I got in that barn area, and I think, thank God for the name of Jesus. <laughs> he said, Pastor Brian, is that true? It is true. We have authority over things. Anyway, one more, one more story from the farm. I got a bunch of them. But anyway, I was down there fishing one time, and I thought, man, we have authority over fish. And we were not, we were not catching anything. So I walked around the bank about 10 times, and I started talking to those fish. I commanded them to come to my poles. And man, for about 30 minutes, nothing happened. So I went up back up to the barn area. I took some feed. I came down there and fed them. And all of a sudden, they're on the top and all that. And I thought, okay, I'm away. And I kept speaking. And I said, I have authority over you, fish. And so I put out more lines. We had three lines. I put out five lines, Mr. Anderson. And about 45 minutes later into that, I kept talking to those fish. And guess what started happening? They started hitting those lines. From that day to now, I knew that the name of Jesus was not something mystical or magical, but there was true authority that we had in the earth, not authority over other people. Please don't get me into that. I'm talking authority in our lives. Authority to speak over your house protection. Authority to talk over your vehicles protection. Authority as a husband to talk over your wife and children and say, hey, no, 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 nothing evil is going to be knocking on this door. I have authority in Jesus' name, and I'm going to exercise because he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and I belong to him. There's something about that name. Number four, Jesus took our sickness, watch this, and we received his healing. Matthew 8, watch this. Matthew 8, 14. I'm telling you what, when this right here is so powerful because what are the three things that Jesus did for you and I? He was teaching, preaching, and what? Healing. Notice what it says. This is good. Matthew 8, 14, and when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with fever. Notice what Jesus does here in the next verse, in verse 15. He touched her hand, and what happened to the fever? It left, and she got up and served them. Notice verse 16 and 17. It says, when evening had come, they had brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast all the spirits out with a word and healed all who were sick. Verse 17, why did he do this? That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, that he took our infirmities, he took all these diseases, he took the pain, and he bore our sickness. Why? Because he loved us. If God's will wasn't for healing on the earth, then why would Jesus have done what he did when he was on the earth? Think about that. Sickness and disease are contrary. Sickness and disease destroy people. They take the life of people. And that's not God's plan. Even though you and I fought with it, we have seen people die prematurely. We've seen people die that we did not want to go. People have died in all kinds of instances. Some people have been healed. Some people have not. But it doesn't change that Jesus bore his price, the price he paid for our healing. And he took sickness and disease and he gave healing and he has not changed today. I know a lot 
of people don't believe that, but I still believe it. I still am thoroughly convinced that it's God's will. You, you say, well, Pastor Brian, if it's God's will for me to be healed, then how am I going to ever die? You could just go to sleep and go to heaven when you're 100 years old. And by the way, my offer still stands for every person that lives to 100 years old, $1,000 from Metroplex Family Church, okay? All right, $1,000. For those watching and, and those listening in the future, it stands $1,000 uh, if you live to 100 years old. And then we'll think about if you do, what you do every year after that. Okay, there may be a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I, I'm thankful for the fact of what God has promised us. God has not promised us a life of endurance. He promised us a life of, of victory. We can endure through Him, not just through ourselves. And healing is our right. And standing for it is God's best. And fighting against it is Jesus' will. Jesus spent a majority of His time healing people, and He has not changed today. Uh, number five, number five. Jesus took the curse of the law that we might receive the blessing. This is in Galatians. Notice what it says in Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13. Watch this. Galatians 3.13. It says this. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse. What does it mean by the curse of the law? All those things in Deuteronomy 28. All the sickness, all the disease, everything of the curse of the law, all the rules. You know there's over 613 rules or regulations and if you obeyed every single one of those then they might consider you righteous. That's just some strange stuff, isn't it not? And I'm telling you what, he redeemed us from that. He became what? Notice what it says. He became a curse for you and I. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree or a cross. Verse number 14. Watch this though. Why did he do this? That the blessing, everybody say the blessing. The blessing of Abraham. Abraham was a blessed man of God because he believed. Abraham exercised what you and I are doing right now, but he didn't have the beauty of this book. He did not have the beauty of the Holy Spirit. But it says what? We are blessed with the blessing of Abraham that would come upon us in Jesus Christ, that we would receive the promise of the Holy Spirit through faith. When we receive these things through faith and the blessing of God, the blessing of God is God's empowerment for you and I to live a life that's worthy of living on Him. I mean, so many people are not blessed because they don't receive the blessing of the Lord. The blessing of the Lord is for a man to stand in his household and say, listen, sin and sickness and stupidity and selfishness is not going to have its authority in this home. I am the priest of this house, and I'm going to exercise my authority in Jesus' name to be what this household should be. You said, Pastor Brian, you can't force the will of another person. No, I cannot, but I can force and enforce what's willed to me as far as authority as a man. And it's the same thing with a woman. I mean, listen, there's God-given rights that you and I have. And we as tithers and givers and people that honor God financially, we have been blessed because we are honoring the advancement of the kingdom of God. Things should be going for the betterment in our lives. And they do as a believer, as you heard Josh's testimony a while ago. I mean, Josh is truly one of the most amazing people. I'll never forget this a couple years ago. He lost a job on a Friday morning and got a job that afternoon <laughs> making more money. I mean, it's just an amazing thing with that man. Now he's in his own business, and we got to pray him back in the church because he's having to work, you know, all over the country. And, uh, but there's one thing about Josh and Amy. They're going to let you know quickly that they're going to honor God financially. They may not know everything about theology or eschatology or a lot of other things, but one thing they know, if you'll honor God, he'll honor you. And that's the blessing that Jesus provided for you and I. He doesn't want us sick and broke. You say, Brian, is that the word of faith message? That's not the word of faith message. That's the word of God message. 
I know it's been misrepresented. I know it's been misrepresented, and I understand all the abuses of it, but it doesn't change the truth of it. And I realize that people have done things in the name of the Lord that are incorrect, but we are not looking at what others have done. We're looking at what Jesus has done, and he has given you and I a life that's better than the world. The next one, notice this one. The next one is simply this. Number six, Jesus experienced rejection that we might receive fellowship with the Father. Oh, my. He was so rejected. He was so rejected. He was so rejected. But you and I have been received into his life and his love and through his grace. And notice what it says in 1 John 1, 2 through 4. 1 John 1, 2 through 4. Notice what it says. Thank y'all for getting this on the screen. It says, the life was manifest, talking about Jesus, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us. Watch this. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you what, God has opened the door for you and I to have a relationship with Him. Notice verse 4. And in these things we write to you that what? Your joy may be full. You and I have the joy of knowing the Lord in an even close way. And no one can take that away from you and I. The greatest thing a human being can do, in my personal opinion, is to walk with the Lord and to know Him. To walk with Him intimately and to give your life to Him. When you surrender your life to Him and open up the door for Him to be everything you need for Him to be in your life as far as through your surrender and your obedience, I'm telling you what, everything changes. Everything changes. Oh, as we begin to close here in just a couple minutes, we got a couple minutes here, but I just want to summarize this great exchange. That number one, Jesus was punished that you and I would be forgiven. I am so thankful that forgiveness in my life is not just the fact that I'm forgiven so that I can sin again. No, that I'm forgiven because there's freedom in forgiveness. We're free in Him. We're free people that make mistakes, people that fall into the trap of things they shouldn't do are not condemned, but they're made free and made whole. Number two, he was wounded. He was beaten. This beautiful, perfect man, powerful man was beaten in that Roman hall with those 39 stripes and a horrible representation when you watch The Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson. You see the price that he paid, but he did that so that you and I could live a redeemed life. And by the way, he went through ministering to people and healing people under the old covenant. How much better the new covenant that we have through him when it comes to healing? And we're going to talk about that more in the next couple of weeks as we progress forward into this spring and summer. You don't want to miss it. There are things that I have been studying and looking at concerning healing, and I am just pressing forward into that revelation because it's a settled fact. And I want to show you some things that I've learned. Number three, quickly, he was made sin with our sinfulness that we would be righteous with his righteousness. I am so thankful for my identity is found in him, not in myself. And yours is too. And I want you to be a success in life. Listen, there is no pastor that loves people to be a success in life, regardless of your age. If you're 15 years old, I'm cheerleading you to high school, on to college if you want to go, or finding the right job. In your 20s and your 30s, I want you to marry the right person. If not, please wait, because you don't want to marry the wrong person, okay? You don't want to do that. And then next, I want you to have the job that you enjoy. You know Pastor Brian's into that, does he not? How many of you know I want you to have a career where you love what you're doing? I don't want everyone 
to hear a person in the sound of my voice say, I hate to go to work. Hold on, we can change that. <laughs> we can pray that through. We can believe God. I want you to drive a good car. Does Pastor Brian want you to drive? Absolutely, okay? I don't want you to drive a Scooby-Doo van. I want you to drive something that's really nice, okay? Has nine, four new tires on it. Your engine doesn't rattle. and doesn't have smoke coming out the back of it. And you're not on I-35 texting me to come get you, okay? I mean, that's what I want for your life. I want you to enjoy your life. I don't want you to endure it. I want you to know that you can live long and live strong. And when death comes knocking on your door at a rightful old age of 100, hello, that you can just pass from this life to the next. You don't have to be sick. And then finally, I just want you to know that God has a blessing on your life so you can help others. You know, the money that I have sometimes is not just for me. I love to help others. Like I've told you before, I love going to Walmart and just helping people. It shocks people when you walk up to them and give them a $20 bill. I didn't give it in the name of church. I didn't give it in the name of Brian. I just gave it because I wanted to give a $20 bill. Right now, I'm in a phase in my life where I'm giving 20s away. I don't know what's happening with that, but I'm just doing that. You said, Pastor, I don't see you after the service. Okay, I said for people over out there, okay, now I'll give you a 20 if you want to. But no, it's just what I'm doing. Because I want to be a blessing to people. And then there are other things that happen in my life that money can't buy. There's just some things that money cannot buy. Opportunities that are happening before me that money just can't buy. Things that are happening to me that I'm I'm amazed because of the blessing of the Lord. And finally, you know, the world may reject you and I and hate you because of what we believe. But let me tell you something. When God's for you and when God loves you and when God defends you, there's nothing and no one can stand against that. You may feel like, you know what, Pastor Ryan, people hate me because I love the Lord. Let me tell you something. I understand that they do. We saw that very clearly this week, did we not? The hatred of some people engulfed in sin and engulfed in hatred because they hate Christianity. And they do that all around the world. But let me tell you something. It doesn't stop Christianity. doesn't stop Jesus. And it never have and never will. When the end, we win. In the end, Jesus is Lord. In the end, living for him is the right thing to do.